0: Welcome to Transparency with Diana B, a podcast from wealthmanagement.com focused on advisors' personal well being and healing. In this podcast, we explore some of the deepest struggles and hardships that many advisors face and bring these issues out into the open so that others may find healing. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to overcome the stresses and anxieties as Diana draws from years of expertise and guest experts to manage the personal challenges of advisors.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest podcast episode of Transparency with Diana B., a podcast by WealthManagement.com. My name is Diana Britton, and I'm the managing editor of WealthManagement.com here. For those of you who are new to the podcast, each episode focuses on a personal development issue facing financial advisors. Guests join me to talk about their own experiences dealing with the struggle. And really, these are things that impact everyone, not just advisors, but We're going to focus on advisors specifically. My guests today are Robert Castillo and Greg Fields. They're both financial advisors with Gerber Kawasaki Wealth and Investment Management, an independent advisory in Santa Monica, California. Robert is a gay advisor who stayed in the closet for the first few years on the job. And Greg has a son who's gay. And they're both Advocates for the LGBT community and they co-lead the LGBT group at Gerber Kawasaki Which helps same-sex couples with financial planning needs Thank you both for being here gentlemen
2: Thank you. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you
1: So there I know there are a lot of strides being made in the LGBT community In terms of the expansion of rights the legalization of marriage in states, but there's still a long way to go uh, it's 2020, but there's still a lot of transphobia, a lot of homophobia out there. I know that this, this is a topic that we don't discuss much in the financial services industry. It's People just don't talk about it. And I, So I thought this was really important topic to discuss and to be frank about. And mm-hmm. I really appreciate yeah. you guys coming on and talking about your own experiences. So Robert, I wanted to start with you. And can you talk a little bit about your experience Coming out of the closet as a young man and then sort of going back into the closet once you started at the firm?
3: Yeah, Diana, I first came out to my friends and family when I was 16. I was lucky enough to have a strong support system both in high school and college. And even in college, I began to get involved with LGBT organizations on campus, with the local community. But as I graduated, and this was in the recession of 2008, I was having a hard time finding a job. And I felt that if I didn't disclose the fact that I was so involved in the LGBT community that maybe I would have a better chance at getting a job. Um, so I excluded it from my resume. I worded it in interviews and I did this because I knew the industry had a reputation of being male centric. So I wanted to avoid getting turned away from a possible job. And again, I did graduate during the recession and a good paying job was very hard to find at that time.
1: Yeah. And so when you got the job at, um, Gerber, was it Gerber Kawasaki back then, or did it have a different name when you started?
3: Actually, it was a different name under the same Ross Gerber and Danilo Kawasaki. We were part of a different company. And uh, six months after I started, we started Gerber Kawasaki. Um, But uh, the culture was very different at that last company. Um, It was pretty much lacking in HR. There was no diversity Mm -hmm. talks, none none of that that you see today. And Mm -hmm. I knew that I wouldn't feel comfortable being my true self as I was in the university or in the LGBT community. I wanted to have my best chance at succeeding at a a job that I wasn't very comfortable at. And yeah, so once Gerber Kawasaki started and opened its its doors, the culture almost immediately changed. We were more focused on serving our clients and less on selling products. the revolvement around the client made me realize that maybe I should focus on working with the LGBT community. And so I kind of did that behind closed doors, literally, in, in my meetings. Mm. Um, I didn't tell my managers, I didn't tell the owners, but I still try to work with my clients in that community.
1: Yeah. And so just backing up a little bit, you were still in the closet in the workplace. You didn't tell coworkers or clients so can you talk a little bit more about that? Why didn't you think it would be well-received? Why did you think that you needed to keep that close to the vest? Did it just not come up? Or what? I guess what drove you to sort of keep it quiet?
3: I decided to stay in the closet because it seemed easier that way. I made an effort mm-hmm. to keep my work life at a distance from my personal life. But in the end, it was actually much more arduous because I was essentially hiding, going, making an effort to hide myself. And while I didn't tell most of my clients at the beginning, I slowly started in the first couple of years. And three years into my career, I finally, I met someone and I wanted to be open about it at that point. And that was exactly seven years ago, funny enough, on Valentine's Day.
1: (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Perfect. I mean, at one point you were even thinking of leaving the industry altogether, right? Why, Why was that?
3: I didn't feel like I fit in. I thought that I would you know, go back to school. In fact, that was my original plan um, to work this job for a couple of years, make a lot of money. We all know that's not the case. <laughs> um, and uh, I wanted to go back to school and I thought that maybe I should belong in that university environment that I was so used to in my undergrad years. Um, but I decided to stay and that year was my testing year. This was 2013. And that year I excelled the most out of any year prior to that. I even got most improved in in my firm. And when I came out, my my managers really pushed me to work with this community and learn as much as possible. And again, this is uh, pre-same-sex marriage becoming legal. So I got a designation to be an accredited domestic partnership advisor and learned the ins and outs of financial repercussions of not being able to get married. So how to protect your assets, wealth transfers, estate planning. And it's still relevant today because even though same-sex marriage is legal, a lot of people aren't rushing to get married.
1: Yeah. And so why did you eventually come out at the firm? And how did you do it? What kinds of how was how did it come up? Was it hard to have that conversation with people?
3: It was extremely hard and for the first several months, I w- wouldn't talk about it with anyone besides the one manager that I told uh, Danilo Kawasaki. And hmm. I, I wanted to, I just, the way that I came out was again, I met someone and I wanted to take a two week vacation in February <laughs> to go <laughs> see them, <laughs> which is the worst uh, time of the year, by the way, to take a vacation yeah. in our business <laughs> it's
2: a hot season. So
3: So, so I met this, I met this guy here in LA, but he was from France. So he moved back to France and I thought I would give it a shot. And, Mm. and he moved back New Year's Eve, 2012. And so come January, I wanted to plan a trip to go see him. But of course, as Greg just said, that's the worst thing that you want to do is take any time off before taxes. Um, So of course I got, a big red flag from my managers about that. And, I, and that's why I decided to tell them. I was like, look, this is what's going on. And again, that was on Valentine's Day in 2013.
1: Are you guys still together?
3: No, <laughs> I have a new partner
1: <laughs> Gotcha. Well, so I just I want to switch gears a little bit, Greg, and talk to you about your experiences here. So you, I know you're coming at it from a little bit of a different angle. You have a child who's gay, your son. Um. And, you know, right. your son came out to you when he was 13. Right. And, you know, I mean, uh, my brother's gay. He didn't come out to me until he was in his 20s or something. But so I'm wondering, how did you feel when he came out to you? Yeah. So how, how did you feel when he came out at 13?
2: <laughs> well, I think I felt as as any parent. I mean, but first of all, it wasn't a surprise. We'd already seen some of the... You know the behaviors that we and I reached out to people in you know the gay community. I had lots of friends and just kind of asked them very frankly if I was totally on the wrong track because you know my son was he wanted to wear dresses and he wanted to you know buy Barbies and not that, that and and I just didn't want to stereotype him, but you know
0: we yeah, had a course.
2: we had a good sense that that he was he was probably gay and we and we started talking to him probably when he was. I want to say four or five years old, just wow. very frankly about about gender and what his how he kind of viewed himself. Um, so it, it it wasn't a big surprise. It was it was almost kind of a relief because I I didn't want to be wrong and I didn't want to discourage him. That's w- that's why I reached out to you know a lot of people in the community I'm, and I'm so grateful to the LGBT community for that. So I, I felt sort of a mix of Relief and yeah, and also a little bit nervous because you know, I just I admit what you the first thing you think of with your kid is their safety. And Mm -hmm. you know, I, I thought about that poor kid that was dragged behind a truck, and you know, those are the things that kind of occurred to me. And you know, this literally just happened. One of my son's friends, not to be a tunnel downer on it, but uh, one of my son's friends that he went to elementary school, he was shot and killed oh, a couple God. weeks ago. And oh God. They, when they caught the guy that did it, he said, they caught him on, on video saying something like, "Yeah, I, I took care of that twink." Hmm. So, you know, oh, God. Oh, as, God. Yeah, as a parent, that's the first thing I think that comes to your mind. It's not at all that uh, I, I don't really you know I, it doesn't matter to me who my son loves or who he's attracted to but I just I really obviously wanted him to be safe
1: yeah absolutely I mean as a parent that's number one right
2: yeah absolutely um,
1: how did you go about educating yourself about LGBT issues you know you talk to people who are in the community um, you know I mean it's, I think there's still a lot of ignorance out there oh my so gosh, for yes. those people listening, you know where can they go to for to get more education on it?
2: Well, I mean, for, I mean, I'm laughing about it because I probably my friends thought I was a complete idiot, like reaching out to them and asking them questions <laughs> about you know my son's sexuality. But they were very they were very kind to me. You know, for myself, I I just had a confluence of very fortunate events. One was that you know i ran one i founded one of the first digital media companies in california years ago and one of my first clients was la pride and i had a good friend who you know brought me in and i i, I was a consultant for them that was a great education for me because what it sort of opened my eyes to was how la pride was really kind of a haven for people to mm-hmm. be themselves you know for gay people to be themselves and Absolutely. I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize how important that was. I mean, I, I've never had to sort of hide my sexuality or felt like, you know, that when Bobby says that about his, you know, coming out and, and how hard it was, it just breaks my heart, you know, thinking about it. So it was a combination of that and just talk, having very frank conversations with my LGBT, my LGBT friends. And as I mentioned, I, I feel like I, I owe a great debt of gratitude to the community for helping me to just understand. And the, the main thing that people just told me is, you know, just just love him. Don't worry about it. You know, it's, 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 it's going to be part of who he is. But if you just love him no matter what, it's not going to make any difference.
1: And so I know later on you found out that your son was transgender. And I just want to define this, you know, because it's sort of an umbrella term. People well, he's sort gender.
2: of. I, I don't know that he's yeah, trans. I don't know that he's committed to transgender. He loves drag. Okay. He loves drag. Okay. <laughs> like, and and I think that's something that he's. I, I, you know, I joke with my friends that you know my my son's going to grow up to be a drag queen because he just you know it's something that he really enjoys. Whether he's going to be full on trans, you know, I don't know. We'll see.
1: Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I my understanding is that it's can either be a gender identity or yeah. an expression of a, a gender identity that is different than, right? The, you know, from cultural expectations, you know, from sex assigned at birth and whatnot. Sure. But, um, so he is not going to go through the transformation, but that's his expression. Right. So uh, what, how did that come about? Um, and you guys were pretty proactive about talking to him about it, Right.
2: Yeah, we did from a very early age. I mean, we said to him when he wanted to wear dresses and you know, play with Barbies, we said flat out to him, hey, do you, do you feel like you want to be a girl? And he said, no, I kind of like, like being a boy. You know? And we have friends that, and support groups that we go to where some of these kids are going through the you know, medical, physical transformations. My son hasn't chosen to do that, but he definitely, I think, identifies with a lot of things that are typically
3: female, for sure. He sounds like he might be non-binary, maybe Mm -hmm. not tied to either gender.
1: Mm. Yeah. And so what are some of the struggles that you've had in navigating your son's sexual orientation and preferences? And, you know, I mean, one thing that is is bullying, right? Uh, oh, God. At school and yeah. dealing with parents, and so just I wonder if you could walk us through what what's some of those things that you've been navigating in terms of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, you would think that we live in Los Angeles, very progressive city, ostensibly, but you'd be kind of astonished at some of the behaviors that we saw with, especially with you know boys in grade school and their parents kind of making excuses for it. I mean it got it got so bad when my son was in probably 4th grade, I literally made the school call a meeting and I educated everyone on Seth's law. And Seth was this was this kid who ended up committing suicide because he was just bullied to the point where he just bullied, couldn't yeah. take it anymore, you know? And that was I just determined that is not gonna be my son, you know? So, so you I, I led, literally you
1: led that education yourself.
2: Yeah, because that's great. I, I need to, you know, at the at the end of the day it's it's all about protecting your your kid, you know. Mm-hmm. And and obviously even though we live in Los Angeles, people just didn't get it. And they didn't get how detrimental, whether it's physical, it, how psychological psychologically detrimental it can be to uh you know kid that age.
1: Yeah, and it's just still boggles my mind that <laughs> yeah. even in such a progressive area, people right. are still ignorant and don't understand. And I, I don't know. I guess I just don't I don't get it, but that's where we're at. Yep. So I wanted to talk to you both of you about the culture of this industry in terms of LGBT, you know, because to me the industry still seems so closed off to this community. And Greg, I know you came from the wirehouses, and you know perhaps seem even more closed off. um, Or, I guess, what's the culture there like in terms of LGBT issues? Some of them have groups, but do these groups help?
2: They do. But I I would say, yeah. I I mean, the the way that I saw it, I'm not going to mention the places that I that I work, but they. Sure. You know. I would say the LGBT element was there, but it was kind of on its own little island. It wasn't really integrated into the rest of the the business, and there wasn't a whole lot of interaction um, because a lot of the the advisors at those places are uh, older. They're just not as they're just not as aware, and and there's also kind of the macho, you know, hard drinking, smoking you know, advisor culture at, at some of those stockbroker kind of culture at those Eat places. Eat what you
1: kill. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly, exactly. Um, so I that's what I would, that's kind of what I observed. Not, not. I, I wouldn't say that they were, it's a homophobic culture, but it's just kind of a, a culture that's an uneducated culture, I would say.
1: Yeah, Robert, do you have any thing to say about sort of the culture that you experienced? I mean, I know you sort of had, Preconceived notions of the industry before coming into it, and that's a problem. You know, I know you sort of had an accepting environment at Gerber Kawasaki once you came out, and people knew, but it's sort of a problem that that's a you didn't feel like you could at the beginning.
3: Yeah, I think a big reason that these larger companies or the industry in general is not focusing on the LGBT community because they don't think it's very large. They they don't think they have a lot of money when in reality, about four and a half percent of Americans identify as LGBT. That's over 11 million people and yeah. the purchasing power. And when you combine that with the businesses that LGBT people have in America, that's over a trillion dollars. So it's, it's not anything to sneeze at and, That's why I've devoted my whole business surrounding the LGBT community and serving same sex couples specifically, um, is because they're so underserved by everyone else.
1: Yeah, there's a big opportunity there, and advisors would be well served to educate themselves on these issues and on their planning needs, right? And so I wonder if you guys can talk a little bit about how your experiences your struggles shaped who you are today and the work that you're doing in the LGBT group. You've talked a little bit about it, but.
2: I mean, I think for me, what this group has allowed me to do is really to take action um, and implement my ideas of social justice, you know, because mm. what kind of the other thing that, I, what, that really opened my eyes when I, you know, first Started working within the community. This was back in the day when, uh, you know, same-sex marriage was not legal, and that really pissed me off. To be honest with you, I was like, "Why does anybody care?" You know, who, who, you, yeah. if, if a man marries a man, why, why does it matter? It's, that's kind of a silly thing to argue about. Um, so I'd say for me, what this group has allowed me to do is, it, and I say my my reasons for starting for co-founding this group are selfish in that I want to make the world a better place for my son. And the way that I can do that is to empower the LGBT community, which has not been served really at all by the financial community, because nobody in the financial community really knows how to to talk to them. They don't understand the sort of unique quirks of that community, financial quirks of that community. You know, so it's, it's a, I consider it an amazing opportunity to really expand not only my own cave, but to really, really help people in that community, people in a community that really need it.
1: Yeah. Sorry, Robert, go ahead.
3: No, I was just going to say that this community also knows that they're not being served by most financial advisors. Um, And I've actually made an effort to even go to LGBT centers and provide pro bono workshops to seniors of the community or same-sex couples because there's a ton of information available to them that they don't know about.
1: That's great. Yeah. Robert, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you overcame the challenges, you know, being gay in this industry, you know, and what would you want to say to someone else in that situation in similar situations?
3: I think, Doing as much research as possible on the community empowered me to really speak out to the community and reach out to them to help them. There's a lot of amazing statistics done by the Williams Institute at UCLA that did a lot of the main research for the Supreme Court cases on same-sex marriage that go over the demographics and statistics. And someone in my position, I would encourage them to to really push be diversity and inclusion at their company last year we celebrated pride with our first company pride party and we had a great turnout awesome feedback from our clients who aren't even lgbt themselves just because they see how committed we are to serving the community yeah that was that yeah, was amazing i mean that was an amazing event
2: honestly because i you saw how grateful People in the community were that we were specifically reaching out to them. You know that we were mm-hmm. specifically saying, "Hey, we're not just going to sort of put up some some nice ads about how we're believe in equality. We're actually going to go into the community and we're gonna we're gonna talk. You know, firsthand, we're gonna celebrate this community and and help the community. You know, and I and I think people really appreciated that we were very. That we showed that we were very earnest and very dedicated to, you know, bring good advice to this community.
1: Yeah. And how do you both think that the industry should change things in this area? I mean, I know, Greg, one thing that you said was intermingling, you know, with straight, uh, straight people and right. gay people and, you know, LGBT folks, you know, not just having groups for LGBT people, but having people intermingling and so that they can better understand each other. Just wonder if you could expand on that and what are some of the other things that you think we should do to change the industry in this area?
2: Well, I I think straight people have to be willing to they have to be willing to learn. They have to be willing to kind of put themselves out there. I mean, when I when I first started the group, you know, I reached out to some communities like there's tech communities that are dedicated to gay, you know, coders and, uh, startups. And, you know, I'd walk into the room and I'd pretty much be the only straight person there, but I find that interesting. I mean, I find that there because it's almost like the way that I look at the, the LGBT community and I trained in international relations, that's my background is it's a culture, you know, mm-hmm. it's not that different of a culture. It's the language is a little bit different. It's like going to Western Europe, you know, it's, it, the language is a little bit different. The uh, traditions and the norms are a little bit different, but it's but it's a great culture. There's it's, it's such a rich culture. It's such a creative and vibrant culture. And I think a lot of straight people are kind of missing out, quite honestly, in not really becoming involved. I don't know if it's that, and I'm sure that it, it can be intimidating to some people, but you know... I found the LGBT community to be very welcoming to me. I've had no sort of issues on that front, and that impresses me only because I'm I'm sure that they weren't. A lot of them weren't treated well by straight people, like kind of like my son, you know. Um, So I I think that you you have to put yourself out there. You have to take a little bit of a risk and be open minded.
1: Yeah, I agree. And my experiences have only been an extremely welcoming community and, and just lovely. I mean, and it's, it's a culture to be celebrated, right? Um, Absolutely. Well, we're just about out of time. Unfortunately, I'd like to thank both of you, uh, my guests, Robert Castillo and Greg Fields. Thank you both so much for being on the show and for sharing some of your personal experiences and, you know, just such a candid way. I really appreciate it.
3: (laughs) Thank you.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Thanks. So if you want more information about the LGBT group at Gerber Kawasaki, you can go to their website at gerberkawasaki.com slash LGBT dash group. And I'll also include the link in our show notes so you can go to there yourself. If you yourself have a struggle and you wish to share your experiences and help others in similar situations, please feel free to reach out to me at transparency with Diana B at gmail.com. I'd like to thank you for listening to Transparency with Diana B. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This is Diana Britton reminding you that where there is healing, there is hope. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Transparency with Diana B podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of wealthmanagement.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice. Always seek the advice of your healthcare provider with any questions you have regarding your particular situation.